Welcome to the Science Networkers Podcast. We're your hosts, Miranda Stan and Pooja Bhakti. We are going to recap our November 8th event, where we had podcasters talk about their experiences on breaking into the field. Join us for great conversation, fantastic demos, and potentially the guest experience of a Zoom bomber. All right, so I think we're going to get started. So to begin, my name is Miranda Stahn. I've dabbled in science communications my whole academic and professional career, starting with a really fun job at the TELUS World of Science, where I was a demonstrator slash science actor. From there, I began to dabble in writing, and I now currently work for Genome Alberta as a program coordinator, where we help to communicate science between researchers and government, as well as policymakers and business. So there's been this kind of thread of SCICOM that has been woven through my whole career. I'm currently based out of Calgary and would like to mention that we are gathered here today on the traditional territories of the Treaty 7 Nations in Southern Alberta and the Métis Nation of Alberta Region 3. Hi everybody, Uh, my name is Pooja and I am alongside Miranda, I'm the co-founder of Science Networkers. My experience with science communication has been very voluntary. I do have a background in science, but I'm professionally in human resources, but I really enjoy science communication. I volunteer for another organization called Science Slam Canada, which you should all definitely check out, shameless plug. And through those connections, I met Miranda and we decided to start this initiative and kind of mix her science background with my HR expertise to kind of create career resources and a community for those interested in science communication. And that is how I got involved. I am currently based in Vancouver, Canada, and I would like to acknowledge that I am hosting this event on the ancestral and unceded territory of the Hunkaminam and Squamish speaking peoples. And we're really excited to have everybody here today. So I'd like to now pass it on to our panelists to introduce themselves before we get started. Lucas, let's start with you. Hey everyone, uh, my name is Lucas. I'm here in Vancouver on the unceded territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh people. And it's really exciting to be here. Um, I'm a uh, science communicator, have been for about five years or so. Uh, I'm along with Jesse, who's also on the panel, co-founder of Avo Media, which is a production company uh, here in Vancouver. We work with scientists and nonprofits and uh, companies, media organizations, uh, to make uh, videos and podcasts and all manner of uh, digital media about science. Um, yeah, I do a lot of the writing and research side of things. So it's, uh, yeah, really exciting to be here. Awesome. I'll introduce myself next. Um, so I'm only about a kilometer from where Lucas is actually. So I'm also uh, speaking today from the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish and Tsleil-Waututh nations. My name is Nicole Doucette and my background is actually in mineral engineering. Um, I now work as a science writer and podcaster and I also dabble in software technical writing. Um, so those are kind of the two sides where I work is the corporate science writing and podcasting side and the tech writing side. Um, 
and yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a great career transition. So I think I'm next. Uh, hi, everyone. My name is Kevin. Uh, super honored to be a part of this panel. Uh, I'd like to begin to acknowledge that I'm from talking to you guys from Ottawa. So I, I'm acknowledging that the land on which I'm speaking from is the traditional unceded territory of the Algonquin and Nishnabeg people. Um, yeah, so recently I just finished my master's at the University of Ottawa in biochemistry. And I guess breaking news, I will be doing a PhD. So I just got accepted into a PhD in uh, Dublin, Ireland. So I'll be doing uh, a sweet PhD there. Uh, starting in March of next year. Uh, currently, I am a laboratory technician at the University of Ottawa, and I also work at the local gym too, just to uh, have some extra cash during this time. And why I'm here is because I hosted, a, or I host a podcast, uh, it's called Metaphorogens, which I just started this year, um, which is kind of split into two different segments, which I'll probably talk about later. One being about my love for uh, reading and writing, and uh, figurative language. So I look into the origins of certain expressions. And the second half deals with science communication and the general science behind communication in general. So yeah, super happy to be here. Cool, I think, and I'm last. Um, I'm Jesse Lupini. Um, I'm here in Victoria right now um, on the traditional territory of the Lekwungen speaking peoples. Um, I am, as Lucas mentioned, the other half of Avo Media, um, which we founded uh, about three years ago. Uh, I've been doing science communication for a lot longer than that in various ways. <laughs> a lot of the time with Lucas, um, we used to teach together at the same science camp that we went to when we were kids. Um, I kind of come at it from a bit more of a creative um, design, um, audio design, um, and visual graphic design point of view. I used to be a programmer and designer. Um, and filmmaker, and now I get to do science communication full-time, which is pretty cool. Um, I also host um, a podcast that Lucas and I started up uh, this year, Science Telephone, which is a, a fun sort of new show where we um, run the work of an actual scientist through um, a bunch of comedians who misinterpret it, do their best to try and understand it, and it usually end up, it goes off the rails, and then we kind of figure out what actually happened, break it down a bit afterwards. So that's been a fun sci-com exercise as well. That is super cool um, and totally up my alley. I didn't know that existed and I already feel better for knowing this. <laughs> um, so I'm going to dive in with our first question and we're gonna warm up and start really general. So what inspired you all to break into podcasting? Um, yeah, so I think the inspiration to, it's funny because podcasting is now actually quite a small part of uh, sort of what Jesse and I do. Um, but the inspiration to originally do it was when I was doing my master's degree in Montreal. Jesse was here in Vancouver um, uh, at film school, and we started a podcast called uh, Double Blind, which was a weekly science news podcast. Um, uh, came out every week. We The idea was Jesse would research one paper, I would research another paper that came out in the last week, and then we'd explain it to each other. Um, and that ran for a few years. And that was sort of like the first digital sci thing that I ever did. Um, it, yeah, it was sort of just an introduction to this world and an introduction for me to the impact of digital science communication. Um, just the idea that, hey, you can, you know, spend, uh, that one was probably, you know, spend eight to 10 hours a week working on something and then have thousands of people listen to it every week and then have them 
you know, provide feedback and start discussions. And it was just seeing that impact, which was like, oh, wow, this is a really efficient way to communicate science. Um, and then that sort of started everything. That's me, Nicole. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so for myself, um, I don't think I was one of the early adopters of listening to podcasts. Like when they first kind of came out, I didn't really listen to them at all. But um, I guess about five years ago, I was actually living in Los Angeles and I was living in one area like outside of downtown LA and I actually worked um, on the other side of downtown. So it was three hours of commuting every day round trip, obviously a lot of free time. And I started listening to podcasts when I was doing my commute. And the first one I listened to was Serial, season one, which I'm sure probably everyone here has listened to. And I just thought it was amazing. Like I remember sit, I remember getting to work and sitting in my car, like in the parking lot, not even wanting to go into work yet, just because I wanted to hear the end of the episode. And because I was kind of um, already moving into science communication at that time, I think it was within a couple of years that... Um, you know, I was working in mining, I was hearing a lot of stories from people, um, especially from communities that weren't well represented in mining about the types of obstacles that they were coming up against every day. And so for me, I was like, well, what can I do in this space that might actually help like turn the dial and make things a little bit better? And so I was like, well, what if I just like learn how to make a podcast and I put that out there and then I can help be a platform for people to share their stories with other people and make that connection for them. Um, so yeah, I just like didn't have any background in um, podcasting at all. I did a lot of YouTube and Google research and I started um, a podcast called Dino Mine and it was mostly just for fun and it's for the mining industry um, and it's stories about people in the mining industry. So the first episode was about the experiences of women in mining and the second episode was about the experiences of LGBTQ plus people in the mining industry. Um, and from there, um, I was working for a geoscience technology company. Someone had heard my first podcast and basically pulled me in to do a 14-episode limited series called Discovery to Recovery, which um, is a geoscience podcast, uh, mostly for exploration geologists and uh, people within the mining industry, but just to talk about some of the uh, technology innovations within the space and, um, you know, kind of what's the future of geoscience? What can we expect? What do we need to work on within mining? And yeah, and I actually, uh, Lucas and Jesse did the post-production on Discovery to Recovery. So I've been really lucky to get to work with them and learn a lot from them in the last uh, year and a half as well. So yeah, it's been great. And Kevin, I think it's your turn now. Yes. Uh, so yeah, how, how did I get into podcasting? Um, I'm always down to create, create things, whether that be writing or, um, making videos. So in my undergraduate studies, I would make, um, these sort of sitcom videos about different topics that we learn. Like for example, um, my last year of undergrad, I did a, a rap video about the TCA cycle. So that was pretty cool. And, uh, what else? There was also a stand up for science, uh, video competition that Enzerk was running at the time. So me and uh, another classmate of mine, we uh, did a video about um, promoting Nobel Prize winners in which their work did, uh, they did their work in, in Canadian institutions. So um, sort of the creative stuff I like to do in undergrad. Um, as of now, I was really into writing um, different short fiction, poetry, um, sort of around scientific topics or topics that have science backgrounds that 
um, kind of affects societal policies and stuff like that. Um, so I would write short stories, uh, poems, and then I sort of got into podcasting after that. I would listen to different podcasts that um, a lot of interview podcasts. And then I started to hear more about um, podcasts that delve into um, scientific topics like Moonshot, for example, is a really good one. And I was like, oh, I, I kind of want to do this. This sounds really interesting. Uh, so I kind of thought about different topics that I could or different ways of new content that I could produce. And I started the podcast with um, my love for, again, reading, writing, and using figurative language in, in these sort of creative aspects that I do. So I was interested in like where these expressions come from. And a lot of these have different and crazy origin stories that a lot of people don't know about. Um, so that was the first half. And then when I talked to a friend about the idea, um, they thought it'd be nice to kind of combine what I do as my career as a scientist um, with communication. And um, that's when I started to look more into science communication, the, the science behind science communication, and the science in just general communication. So eye contact, um, delivering presentations, um, writing anything. Uh, so that's what the second half of my podcast became. And we just finished season two of the podcast, and I have some bright ideas about how it could expand into to new to new areas and focusing more on the trainee aspect and helping them uh, develop their communication skills. So yeah, and I think Jesse's up next. Um, I podcasting is I think Lucas touched on this a little bit, but something that has always attracted me to podcasting um, is how little work it requires for the payoff you can get compared to a lot of other types of media. Um, we work a lot with video. Video is brutally time consuming. Um, you just have, there's so much more to focus on. Um, so many more different senses you're trying to deal with. So many more, one more, that's very, very important to humans. But um, audio alone is a, an incredible medium to work in. And when you're only working in an audio medium, you can make really, really amazing things relatively quickly. Um, and I just love that. Another thing that has always attracted me to podcasts from the very moment I was like trying to find them to download onto my like old first gen iPod that I had when I was in high school with the actual click wheel and all that shit. Um, I was just the fact that like, I'm a very like neurotic person who's like really worried about how I'm spending my time and I want to make sure I'm like using my time well. And I, I get kind of worried and weird if I'm not like doing 10 things at the same time. And I just love that I can listen to podcasts while I'm walking or cleaning or whatever and be completely engaged with both those activities still. Whereas if I've got a show or a documentary or a movie on, I can't quite pay attention while I'm also like, you know, doing dishes. So I just love podcasts for how incredibly versatile they are. Yeah. Uh, fantastic answers. Shameless plug. I am on an episode of Kevin's season two. Um, so definitely go check that out. I'm not going to say which ones, so you have to listen to them all till you <laughs> Smart. So really fantastic answers. And it seems like everybody has a very kind of unique perspective. And I think there's going to be a very unique answer to this question as well. So from when you come up with your ideas to when it is published and you're doing your outreach, what does a typical week look like in this career of podcasting? Um, it is highly varied. Um, just because of the way sort of we work as running a production company, we work on a whole myriad of projects for different 
clients and for ourselves. Um, so it's it's a whole bunch of different things. Um, uh, part of it is managing a team as per uh, sort of my role has sort of evolved into kind of a management role um, as we're sort of taking on more stuff and bringing in more people um, as part of our sort of creative and production team. So that's a big one. Um, a huge one is just researching a new topic or uh, putting together a script for it. Um, this is a huge sort of chunk of my time of like, okay, today we're gonna be making uh, an episode or a video or a podcast on uh, kidneys. Uh, let's, let's go find out everything uh, there is to know about kidneys or everything that's relevant to this uh, communication product. So that's a huge amount of time. Um, there's the actual getting of the audio or filming, um, which is actually a very small amount of time um, in terms of the slices that uh, is usually only a couple hours a week. Um, and then the final one is editing and post-production. So finishing it, editing it, um, all very sort of computer-oriented stuff. Um, so it's a lot of desk work, um, but it's also very uh, engaging and interesting. Um, and of all those pieces, I think the, the research and writing part is definitely the one that uh, I spend the most time on and the one that I enjoy the most. Nicole. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so I'll talk specifically about the discovery to recovery series and what the day-to-day -day looked like for that. I would definitely agree with Lucas that the uh, research part for sure took a lot of time. The way we put together the podcast was we were going for a, this American lifestyle kind of podcast. So it was three stories related, <clears throat> excuse me, to a central topic. And so it was actually quite difficult to figure out what we wanted to highlight in these episodes because you kind of want it to be um, something interesting. You're also hoping to get a guest on who has like a decent uh, following or standing in the geoscience community so that people will tune in to listen to them. And then also they need to be available, right? And sometimes if you're trying to uh, like interview, I don't know, a CEO or a director, their schedule can be, you know, they're off in the field for three weeks without service, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, the first part would be the research and gathering ideas, kind of making a skeleton of the episode you want to put together. Um, prep for the actual interview, which is usually I do some research on um, whatever, you know, area they're kind of working in and perhaps the technical subject matter we're going to be speaking about so I can ask educated questions. And then actually running the interview, which as Lucas also said, doesn't really actually take that much time. Uh, you know, and it's a lot of fun. It's my favorite part is getting to actually talk to people and um, to get to meet them. I think podcasts can be a great way to have an excuse to talk to someone that you've been really wanting to touch base with, but that you've never had an excuse just to reach out to. So that's been um, a lot of fun. And then once the interview is done, um, I usually, I use a software called uh, Descript and it does an auto transcription for you. And then it links it to your audio. And then you can do pretty much all of your podcast um, editing within there just from the transcript. Uh, for the Discovery to Recovery series, as I said, I didn't actually do the post-production. That was uh, Lucas and Jesse, but mostly Jesse, I believe. And uh, if I am doing post-production, I usually, because I don't have a background in, you know, audio engineering or anything, I kind of stick to the basics. I get rid of maybe white noise, um, cut out ums and ahs, that kind of thing, and just make people sound a little bit more eloquent. And then after that is um, the hosting. And then I think actually the part that is sometimes skipped over a lot, but which is probably the most important is the actual marketing, um, having a marketing strategy for when you put out a podcast. I do not believe anymore that if you put out great content that people will come and they will listen to it. I think there's so much great content out there that you really have to um, 
put a lot of time into marketing, whether that's through partnerships or throwing money at sponsored ads, but it's definitely something to keep in mind when you're putting together um, a podcast series. And Kevin, you're up. Uh, yeah. So for me, um, this is just sort of a hobby of mine. So obviously I have a, uh, I guess a full-time job at the moment. So any sort of podcasting I do is just when, you know, I'm not doing anything else, any or anything else at my, uh, my job at the university. Um, so I would say an episode usually takes between three to four days to make. And like the other two said, uh, majority of it is just background research that that takes up the most time. Um, that's just a lot of internet searching, reading some papers even about the psychom science communication aspect of the podcast um, and developing the script. So my podcast is completely scripted. I know some podcasts you can um, sort of go on flow, um, but I feel like I say a lot of uhs and ums and I'm super lazy at editing those out. So <laughs> I, I just completely write down everything I want to say, even pauses or certain like other words that you wouldn't normally put into a script. I, I put everything in there. Um, Shame, Kevin. Um, <laughs> you and I free record and it starts as science and ends as RuPaul's Drag Race. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it takes a lot of editing power if you, um, if, if you, if you don't script it, I think. Um, so yeah, so basically my podcast, again, is split into two segments and the majority of it takes the research, the background research, uh, the, the, the next longest aspect. So what I guarantee my listeners is that I can create a short story and narrate a short story in which I can use an expression that makes sense both in the literal and metaphorical way. So it's kind of like a creative writing project of mine and then I go into the origin of that which takes some time and then the science communication aspect and some of my episodes like the one Miranda mentioned I interview a guest so Miranda was my first guest uh, thank you so much Miranda uh, but my most recent episode I also interviewed a data scientist and we talked a lot about statistics and why it's relevant in mainstream news and the general public to better understand what um, sort of I guess, facts or, or news stories, um, what sort of the facts that they're telling us. Um, so the interview, that that's all like, you know, there's no script there. It's obviously just a basic conversation that I edit on uh, Final Cut, I think it's called, Final Cut Pro. Uh, it's, it's really expensive software, so I wouldn't get it unless you do some really good video editing. Um, but yeah, so I use that software and any audio I do, I do on something simple like Audacity. Um, but I just got a new laptop and it's not um, supported on this new iOS. So now I use GarageBand, which is, I feel really simple. So yeah. And Jesse. Cool. Um, when you said uh, it takes a lot of editing power to edit something when you it's unscripted, I felt a little personally attacked because I feel that very strongly. Um, yeah, we do. Um, oh, I didn't mean that. No, 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 it's, it's fine. I just was like, oh, a little shudder. Um, yeah, I, I feel that really strongly with um, with Science Telephone, especially as one where I host it. And uh, I have been mostly doing the like bulk of the the edits. And it's a, it's like a long process because I'm, I'm editing my own voice. So I'm like twice as like just critical of how I talk and and kind of go at all the little pauses and ums and ums and everything um but yeah it's 
I, I get that. It's really time consuming. In terms of what day to day looks like, because that was, I think, the question. Um, but my day to day really is uh, one of two states that I tend to be in. Uh, <laughs> this is a new gesture I just made. Um, one of them is turtling. I call it turtling and the other is like bouncing around. And so bouncing around is when I've got like 40 projects that need a tiny little bit of attention each where it's like, I got to message somebody or organize something or send an email or to do a scheduling, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, at the end of the day, I feel like I've scrambled eggs brain and I haven't actually gotten anything done, but I probably got a lot done. Um, but that's just a lot of the like organizing and, and just planning stuff that has to happen to get a lot of projects off the ground, which is something that you just have to do if you're working on a lot of little projects or working for yourself. Um, and then the other phase the state I go into is I call it turtling. And that's where I'm just like head down focused, uh, usually for at least four hours up to a week um, on whatever thing I'm working on. That's usually edit sound editing or animation are the biggest places that I get into that video editing. Sometimes when we work on projects that are pure editing, we just did a couple of explainer videos about the BC election for the TIE, which is a newspaper here in Vancouver. Um, and those were like, you know, we, we did, there was a lot of planning and scripting and all of this conversation where we were all, it was all very back and forth. And then I went into like a two to three day, just like animation fugue and just worked on that with like no contact with the outside world or food or sleep. Um, yeah, that's kind of what my day to day looks like. If I had to do only one of those types of things, I would lose my mind. Um, but thankfully, and I've come close in times where we've, I've had to do one of them for way too long. Because um, I, when if I'm bouncing around, I'm like, I just need to sink my teeth into something. And if I'm turtling way too hard for too long, I'm like, it would be nice to eat and sleep again. Um, but because I, it's pretty varied and I can bounce back and forth, uh, it's usually still always really entertaining and interesting. And just when I'm getting tired of one thing, some other cool new thing shows up and I get to do that. I, I totally relate with that sentiment too. And we have, I'm going to give her a brief introduction. Our editor is actually in the call today. She's one of our tech team that is Zeelin. Um, so everyone give her a total clap reaction round of applause. And segueing into that, our other tech crew member is Michael, who's a close contact of both Pooja and I, he's been helping us run these events from the get-go. So also total round of applause to him as well. Um, and you guys should check out his initiative, Nerd Night YVR, on every social media platform. They have a podcast, they have some amazing events, and they're really, really nice people, which is always a plus. So <laughs> definitely check that out. So I'm going to direct this question to Kevin first, and then rest of the panel, if you have something to add, go ahead. Um, but as a hobby podcaster, Kevin, what was the financial investment you had to put in to get started? And what would you recommend for first round equipment purchases from new podcasters or for new podcasters? Sorry. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, again, and I think Jesse mentioned this in the first answer he had. Uh, the the podcasting hobby really or if you go into a career is super um, like you, you don't have to pay too much for equipment um, I think the only piece of equipment I bought was this microphone here which I got off Amazon for I think 60 bucks and there are cheaper options too if you if you don't want this particular one this is the Sams, Samson um, Q2 uh, handheld dynam dynam dynamic microphone um but i can i can link that in the in the in the conversation um for zoom and i also have this 
arm piece here. Um, I find this is easy if I like, for example, if I'm doing an interview and I like lean back in my chair, I can move it and the sound quality doesn't change too much. Um, so I th and this cost, I think less than $20. So overall, I think 80 bucks, um, so, which I don't think is too bad. And the other thing that um, you would probably want to do is um, have a membership on some sort of hosting podcast host. Um, the one I use is Buzzsprout. And why you would want a membership is that most, I could be wrong, but most of them, in order to have all your episodes on without them getting deleted after, for example, 90 days, um, you have to pay some sort of membership fee. So the membership fee for Buzzsprout is, I pay around $17 a month, which I don't think is too bad. I know, I think there's other ones like Anchor or Podbean, you might be able to pay less, maybe like 12, 13 bucks. Um, why I like Buzzsprout is that they have a lot of um, videos that help you get started. So um, they have a YouTube channel in which talks a lot about, you know, what equipment to buy, um, sort of editing software and other things that allow podcasters to grow their podcast. And they also have ways of monetizing as well. Um, yeah, so I don't think it's too much of an investment and anyone can get started. Um, I can hop in as well. When I first started podcasting, it was very much of a hobby for me as well. And because I didn't know if I was going to keep up with it, I basically wanted to spend the most minimal amount of money possible on everything. Um, so basically, I think the biggest expense for me was actually buying a microphone. And it's this one here. It's an ATR 2100 XLR slash USB microphone. Um, for me, I already had a laptop, so I just wanted something I could kind of plug into my laptop and I could record with. And yeah, it worked out really well for me. Like I'm still using it four years later and I, I love this microphone. Um, it's really versatile as well because it's got the XLR plugins. When I started getting more recording equipment, I could actually plug it into like my, um, zoom handheld recorder. And then when it came to the actual production process, I was first using, um, a free browser app called Source Connect Now to actually record my remote interviews. It was working really well before COVID. And then once COVID hit, I don't know if everyone started using it, but the server started crashing a lot. So now I'd recommend using Zencaster, which um, I believe is still free. So it's a really good option if you don't want to spend any money. And then um, to make my transcripts, I used otter.ai, which is um, an AI generated transcript transcribing software. And then I would do my actual audio editing in GarageBand. And then actually, um, in terms of podcast hosting, I did it on SoundCloud, which is 100% free. The difference between like SoundCloud and something like Buzzsprout is um, Buzzsprout will automatically put, you can correct me if I'm wrong, it'll automatically put your podcasts on some of the different um, platforms like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. SoundCloud is 100% free, but you'll actually have to go through the process of submitting your podcast Um what's the stream, the RSS stream to like Spotify and to Apple podcasts. To be honest, it only really takes about 10 minutes, maybe um, 15 minutes to kind of submit to both Spotify and Apple podcasts. And uh, I, I can't remember what the other big uh, listening uh, platform is. So if you're really like stuck for cash, I think SoundCloud actually is a pretty decent option. Yeah. 
Fantastic. Very thoughtful answers. And it goes to show that, especially in our last panel, one of our panelists was a podcaster as well, who was a very successful hobby podcaster. And she said the same thing, like it's minimal upfront investment and all you really need is a mic and a passion. So I'll hand it over to you, Pooja, though, because I know you're sitting on a really good audience question that we want to dive into. Yeah. So first of all, if any buddy watching today, if you have questions while we're having conversation, definitely type it in the chat. Uh, we'll ask it either during uh, the more formal Q&A or a little bit later, but we definitely want to get through everyone's questions. We have a great one here, uh, which kind of ties into what uh, Nicole was bringing up about marketing. What's the best way to build an audience? So Lucas, we'll go over to you. I think consistency is a key one, particularly in the world of podcasts. Um, the idea of releasing on a schedule and so your audience can sort of expect when something's coming out uh, is, is one element I would highlight. Another one is uh, just constantly reevaluate what works and what doesn't. Um, talk to your audience, get feedback from them, um, evaluate what things people are listening to and what things people aren't listening to. And if your audience isn't listening to a certain type of episode or maybe a certain length of episodes, anything like that, um, then try to figure out what's not working for your audience about it and adapt uh, to your audience or find a different audience, I guess. Um, but uh, that's those are my two ones. Be consistent and listen to feedback um, from the people who you're making uh, your product for. Nicole. Yeah, I would definitely agree about the consistency. I think that's pretty key. And um, when we were making Discovery to Recovery, uh, the person I was working with, she said that a lot of podcasts don't make it to 10 episodes. So you definitely want to try to at least plan out maybe 10 episodes when you're thinking of starting a podcast. And I think that's when things can start to pick up. Um, the other thing I would say is sponsored ads, I think can actually go a pretty long way. Like for example, we did a sponsored ad on LinkedIn, I think with only $20 and we got close to a couple hundred um, like click throughs just from that, you know, $20 that was spent. So I think that's a decent way to do things. I think Twitter is actually better to do ads on than LinkedIn. Um, it's just what we were using at the time. I think another great thing is if you can make um, a partnership with any sort of organization that's within the space or the audience you're trying to reach and they can actually like send things out on their, to their listserv or their email list, um, that's a great way to get people aware of um, what you're doing. And then of course, like, I think if you obviously have famous guests on your podcast or just people that are well-known within the space you're trying to target, um, that goes sometimes a lot further than even marketing will, especially if they share it on their network. And Kevin. Yeah, those are, I would agree with the consistent consistency thing for sure. Um, what I noticed was that, for example, my latest episode, um, episode 20, um, that took a month to complete mainly just because I was working two jobs and I wanted to, or I wanted to interview somebody um, for the, just their opinion on statistics and everything like that in, in general media. So that took a month. And because of that, my viewership or listenership um, decreased um, noticeably um, for when I released my podcast. So definitely consistency, I think is super key. Um, but what I think is super important 
and could help grow your podcast is to interview people. So for example, Miranda, I interviewed Miranda. She promoted my episode through her social media feeds. I promoted the episode through my social media feeds and I saw a noticeable increase in the amount of, of listeners. Um, and then when the person I interviewed for my latest podcast episode, when he started to post it on his social media feeds, again, increased the amount of listeners. So if you were to interview people or have people a part of your of your podcast and have them promote, definitely that would help grow your your um, your podcast and have your family and friends promote it as well. Yeah, I think consistency is, I think everyone's mentioned it in some way. I think it's probably the biggest one. Um, people don't want to listen to dead podcasts um, unless they're like, there's something about them that makes them really want to go back and listen to old episodes. People like current stuff. There's so many podcasts out there. You got to still stay relevant. Um, so I think I do think that's a huge thing. Um, yeah, I kind of adding to what I think Kevin and Nicole mentioned a bit as well. The idea of like getting people who are on your show to help promote it is really huge. Something that we found with Science Telephone, which was really kind of a fun little side effect of the format, is that on each episode, we have one scientist and three comedians. And so that's four guests. Six people are on the call when you include me and Lucas. Uh, it's a lot of people to organize. It's a giant pain in the butt. It takes forever. Um, but you then have four guests who are all promoting it to their networks and to like even you know make make that better those are two very distinct networks from each other right like scientist networks are not very connected to like comedian networks but they both are people who have their own little niches on the internet um and so it's been kind of fun to like see that you know each new episode we loop in a couple new comedians a new scientist and it's just like um getting out into new places every time so i, I think yeah, thinking about who is going to be sharing and how you can like what circles you can kind of promote in are, are really important too. like find your find your niche in your world and get the people who care about it talking. Thank you so much for listening. For more updates on what we're up to, be sure to follow us on all our socials. We are at Side Networkers on Twitter at Science Networkers on Instagram, and just Science Networkers on LinkedIn. Be sure to tune in next week to hear the second part of this episode.